Okay, the title of uh, this evening talk could be A Positive Attitude. Now, there's a famous um, Tibetan tradition uh, which is called the Seven Points Mind Training. And um, I think it's the fifth point has a number of um, aphorisms or slogans, and one of them says, constantly resort to a sense of good cheer. <laughs> Very important. Alan Wallace, who has been a monk uh, for many years, for a number of years, in the um, uh, Tibetan Buddhist traditions, um, recently has... Uh, written a commentary, and he says, resorting to a sense of good cheer is indispensable. By and large, I find that if I start the day with happiness, that wells up from the, uh, sorry, if I start the day with happiness that wells up from the heart, this sets the tone for the rest of the day. Starting from a sense of balance, as your day progresses, vigilantly watch for any source of unhappiness and apply Dharma. See if, you, see if your sense of good cheer can survive until 9 a.m. <laughs> <clears throat> Gradually see if you can get through the whole day in a state of good cheer. In the meantime, watch that circumstances, uh, sorry, in the meantime, in the meantime, watch what circumstances impede your well-being and respond to them with dharma. So this is what Wallace uh, says. Now, I, I think it is uh, evident that we are not simply talking about what is commonly known as, uh, you know, good mood or good cheer, but rather we're talking about something more substantial, uh, like a good disposition, a, a positive attitude, something less less uh, less ephemeral than uh, uh, a good mood or things like that. I think it would be helpful to uh, consider, first of all, a few possible. Uh, objections or hindrances to uh, what we might call this project of holding and sustaining a positive state, a positive attitude throughout the day. Quite a project, isn't it? Um, someone could say, you know, this is naive. Sooner or later, some unpleasant uh, stuff will come up and uh, the positive state will be just a memory. Um, I heard that uh, Churchill defined history as one damn thing after the other. <laughs> so, <clears throat> something will happen sooner or later, but uh, we know that Dharma practice is exactly learning the art 
to deal with whatever arises. So this objection seems to be naive, or at least uh, far from the inner work. Uh, there is another possibility of um, kind of devaluing this, this uh, uh, slogan, this instruction. Um, let's say we have some experience in the practice, and we know uh, more or less how to apply dharma. Maybe there's been some sudden adversity in our life. Uh, but because of lack of trust in ourselves uh, and lack of trust maybe in the dharma, um, we are very, with a very negative and self-destructive attitude, just don't do anything. We do, do not apply dharma. We know how to do it, but you, we don't do it. Is it something new <laughs> I'm talking about? I don't think so. Um, and therefore, you know, we feel, afterwards, we feel uh, guilty and inadequate. And, and so what, what happens that we tumble down from good cheer into the adversity, into self-hatred. And at this point, uh, it may happen that we are rather skeptical about the possibility to uh, hold a positive attitude. But we should understand that as long as reactivity, meant in its broadest sense, is stronger than our practice, this is bound to happen. Besides, we should bear in mind that even if we are expert practitioners, there can be obviously painful events in our life which will for sure extinguish any good cheer that we have. But if we have been practicing uh, for some time and if uh, the practice has taken roots, in ourselves, then uh, beyond anguish or underneath anguish, we can feel a layer of peace. Yes, peace within the suffering. So, in one sense, we've lost the positive attitude in front of this maybe tragic event, but in a deeper sense, we have not lost it. And this, again, is, is very motivating. Now, uh, let's go back for a second to uh, guilt feelings about the practice. Uh, you know, we all know that, uh, to some extent at least, that they are toxic feelings uh, and uh, they are hindrances to our practice. And they... they, they uh, bring about only negativity. Now, if we work on them with mindfulness and with a growing understanding that they are only inflicting unnecessary uh, suffering on ourselves, 
you know, this is right understanding, understanding of the Four Noble Truths. What happens is that uh, uh, these toxic feelings start weakening and, and we can start taking a more positive attitude. Like, instead of fostering guilt feelings, we can say, okay, I, I, I think I am not giving um, my dharma practice all the energy I would like uh, to give it. And um, I would like to understand this. See how, how, how simple and more direct and, and uh, uh, you know, um, uh, positive this attitude is with, with, with trust and confidence rather than the, the, the twisted ego uh, guilt feelings. This is so more spacious and open and simple and honest. So in other words, the positive attitude goes away because of guilt feelings, but we war- if we work on the guilt feelings, the positive attitude can come back from the back door. Um, so another possibility, uh, we hear this line, uh, let's read, this, read it again, constantly resort to a sense of good cheer. And we say, oh, nice, but um, certainly there are more important things in this suffering world than maintenance of our good cheer. And it sounds, sounds um, uh, wise, noble. Uh, maybe we belong to some group of engaged spirituality, Buddhist, Judeo-Christian, or else. And now it seems to me that engaged spirituality is an obvious, extraordinary asset uh, uh, of our time. But sometimes, sometimes, um, it seems that we, what we basically have is engaged so- social activity where meditation, prayer, and the like have a very secondary uh, place. The primary place is the active work. And then uh, the spiritual side is very neglected. Sometimes that's what happens. Now, this is certainly not uh, what the great spiritual traditions had in mind. Because very simply uh, stated, uh, what all the great uh, spiritual traditions uh, um, maintain is that uh, compassionate action can exist only if it has roots in the uh, contemplative layer, in the contemplation, in the in the spiritual practice. It cannot be vice versa. It cannot be the other way around. Like you know, the 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 the, the meditation and spiritual practice having roots in in uh, the social action. Um, I think that this uh, deserves some some reflections to the extent that this very beautiful thing that is in engaged spirituality 
is, is uh, expanding and extending. Now, Kierkegaard has a beautiful way of putting it. When he comments that line of the Gospels, uh, where it is said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, Kierkegaard says, what does that mean? What should I do? Should I give all my possessions to the poor? No. You should, you, sh you, you should seek first the kingdom of God. But what then? Uh, Kierkegaard goes on. Maybe I should go out and let the world know about this teaching? No. You should seek first the kingdom of God. Again, this makes me think of that wonderful distractions that uh, some meditators fall into, especially at the beginning of their practice, when they start uh, trying to convince their friends of uh, the beauty and the depth of the Dharma, and maybe they end up uh, irritated and frustrated because of uh, their friends' lack of sensitivity. <laughs> <laughs> But then, Kierkegaard says, it seems that in some sense, I should be doing nothing. There is like a conversation that is enacted. Yes, exactly, Kierkegaard answers his imaginary friend. You should make yourself a nothing in the deepest sense. That is, you should learn the art of silence. In this art lies the search for the kingdom. So, Kierkegaard continues, when prayer becomes real, prayer... Oh, sorry. When prayer becomes real prayer, this means prayer has become silence. Now, all this could easily be translated in, in Dharma language. Uh, silence, inner peace, uh, emptiness, you know, nothing, and uh, transparency, and the like. But the reason that uh, why I mentioned this passage by, by Kierkegaard is because it shows very effectively, very, uh, in a very convincing way, the real priority in a spiritual path. You know, it's not ambiguous <laughs> at all. It's extremely, extremely clear. Um, so if we feel there are more important things than the spiritual work, probably we'll get those, in, those things, but we won't get the spiritual work. And we can't complain. There is a saying which, um, which in a nutshell explains the law of karma, the sayings which goes, uh, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. <clears throat> karma. No, you know, no need of big treatises, big books, uh, and all the rest of it. This says, this says it all.
Okay, one more word about possible misunderstanding of, of, of this uh, slogan, of this instruction. Um, it can be mistaken for search of self-centered uh, well-being, especially if we don't have any, any, any background in, 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 uh, in uh, the practice. But uh, obviously, search for self-centered for self-centered well-being has a different name in 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 wisdom traditions called attachment, and uh, and um, um, they say that uh, not only it, it does not lead to happiness, but uh, to the contrary, it creates unhappiness. So we're not talking about <laughs> attachment or search narcissistical search for um, um, selfish well-being. We are talking about something intrinsically more generous because this positive attitude, this positive, uh, this good disposition is something which nourishes and sustains ourselves and the people around us. And not only that, if uh, 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 the mind, uh, the the bore. the, the borders of the mind do not coincide with the borders of the brain, and it seems that uh, that cannot be proven, then um, who knows how many more people are going to benefit from our positive attitude. Uh, on the other hand, if we think of meta-practice, uh, may all beings be happy, either this is just a, a poetic uh, nonsense, or there should be something interesting in terms of how, how uh, vast uh, the mind is beyond, beyond our skin, I mean. Therefore, you know, it's not, it's not a, 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 we're not talking about the search for a positive attitude, you know, uh, independence of this or that pleasant uh, conditions, but uh, uh, a positive attitude as much as possible independently from uh, pleasant uh, conditions. It's got an overall importance. We've been talking about the Eightfold Path in, in, uh, in uh, the past several nights. Now, if we foster a positive attitude, everything is easier in the Eightfold Path. Developing concentration is easier. Developing uh, mindfulness is easier. Uh, developing right understanding, um, uh, ethical uh, foundation. Um, everything is easier. It's a fertile, it's a fertile ground for the, the, the flowering of the path. But of course... Maybe we are not having any positive attitude, and yet we have a strong motivation. Fine. If we uh, make a serious commitment to work on our negative attitude, that is positive attitude, and a very important step towards a positive attitude. So we, we, we may say that we're talking about um, little but real peace 
which is the basis to walk towards the great peace, positive attitude. One, one uh, of course, uh, one major difficulty uh, about developing a positive attitude, and generally speaking about developing the practice, is that we've been brought up and educated um, according to the primacy of thought and action, and maybe emotions as well, and speech. Now, this primacy is different from the primacy of peace and awareness. If there is no primacy of peace and awareness, as Kierkegaard was very uh, strongly emphasizing, now we don't have the basis to uh, uh, walk along this path. So we should be uh, aware of how much, uh, how 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 much strong, how strong, and uh, uh, about what 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 long roots there are in us of this uh, primacy given to speech, action, and thoughts. Now, of course, if we talk about primacy of peace and awareness, they, they are very closely connected, to say the least. That doesn't mean that we stop thinking, we stop talking, we stop acting, you know, like... You know, the highest human development being becoming like a zombie would be surprising. But let's let's try to look at um, what we're talking more closely. A bit of real peace, so to speak, is a context, is a space where thoughts, words, and action start reorienting themselves according to what is good, according to what is better, more right action, more right speech. So there is a fundamental positive reorientation by virtue of this peaceful space. And there is ultimately an alignment with our deepest wish more and more our deepest wish being, may all beings be happy. May everything be good for everyone. So the more, the more we practice, the more we simplify ourselves, the more um, we cultivate compassion, uh, this uh, reorientation, this uh, alignment takes place. And this means a different quality of actions, words, and emotions. doesn't mean the end of words, actions, and emotions. But it takes a change in priority, a change in primacy. As long as the most valuable thing is thinking and acting, we all know what happens. How tedious... uh, mindfulness becomes because it doesn't correspond to what we are um, uh, used to do, used to um, um, have, have contact with. That's why 
the, the path is being defined as patiloma, which means upstream. It's upstream. Uh, also, I think it's interesting uh, to consider everyday life. Let's consider a good day, right? A good day, a bad day, a so-so day, we know. Uh, a good day can be completely wasted or can be made uh, a very good use of. Not in terms of thinking, doing, and all the rest of it. Because we are already haunted by making a good use of a day. You know, how much have I done? How much uh, did I produce? How much creative I was? Very little, so I'm not worthy. <clears throat> this is different. Even if this good day is just casual, is ephemeral, is just came uh, um, out of the blue, and is not going to last, and yet, you know, if uh, our practice has taken uh, a little bit of roots, you know, in between this interesting project and, uh, and this fascinating plan, you know, they, they typically flower in the good day, we know, uh, we can get in touch with something uh, more basic, something more fundamental, which is underneath this pleasant uh, surface, a kind of ease, a kind of peace, something which reminds me of what uh, Chogyan Trumpa used to call basic goodness. The flashes of it. If we use mindfulness during this uh, 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 situation of well-being. But maybe um, our practice is still young. Uh, we are full of thoughts and anxiety and all that. Still, a good day can be made a very good use of. Because if we are having a good day, it's much easier to cultivate important virtues. It's much easier to be kind, to be patient, to be generous. Now, these are seeds. There is the law of cause and effect, which is not considered an optional. It's considered a law. And sometimes, um, even if you are you know, old-timers in the Dharma, we don't consider this much. You know, it is, I'm talking about something, again, to be, uh, to be touched, to be seen, to be verified in this very life, here and now. Just an aside, uh, if, we, if we don't have much interest for the practice, what may easily happen is that the good day turns into something like um, an outburst of multiple attachments. 
because we feel well, because we have energy and well-being, we start wanting this, that, and the other, and more and more. And uh, at the end of the day, we can be even be stressed out, tired for all the things we've been wanting desperately. So uh, instead of being a fertile ground for um, positive attitude, it's become a, a, a ground for uh, tension, contraction, Back to the law of cause and effect. There is a, an expression in the Dharma uh, which might sound um, not so nice to contemporary Western uh, ears. And this expression, punya sambara, is literally accumulation of merit. Uh, right? Who wants to accumulate uh, merit? But what is the meaning of accumulation of merit? The meaning is intensification, intensifying of positive energy. People feel reassured if, if uh, we translate the traditional, the traditional uh, expression in this way. Uh, it, it, what, what we were saying before, you know, positive, positive actions are positive seeds. They more and more create a positive life climate, a, a, a positive climate in our existence. And that is an incredible help, help to develop positive attitude. So the... the uh, uh, Okay, the law of cause and effect and its importance and the importance of understanding experientially. Now let's have a look at uh, a, a bad day. A bad day is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn. It's a very good opportunity to learn. In the same tradition of the uh, seven points of mind training, uh, I think the third point is turn the, the adversities into the path. So a bad day is a little adversity. But we can learn and turn it into the path. A couple of things help. One thing is the appreciation or positive attitude. That, that um, um, uh, helps us, this kind of appreciation. Including appreciation, the appreciation of positive attitude in other people instead of envying them for having a positive attitude. Maybe why we are not having a especially positive attitude when we see that someone else has... Uh, a very clear positive attitude, appreciating it, having mudita, having sympathetic joy for it. This way we open, we open up to it. In some way we learn, we absorb it. 
you know, as everything in Dharma, positive attitude can be trained, courage can be trained, trust can be trained. We might have this idea that unless we are born with something, uh, forget it. So, appreciation for positive attitude and a keen interest in working with the, our negativities. That takes time. Because I didn't say only interest. I said keen interest to work with our negativities. There can be a very vague interest <laughs> to work with our negativities. That doesn't help. It has to, to, to mature into precise, keen interest in working with negativities. So a bad day uh, is an opportunity. Is an opportunity. Is a, is, a, is, a, is a small adversity. And if we work with it uh, this way, again, the positive attitude comes back from the back door. Needless to say that having a keen interest for working with our negativities has nothing to do with judging our, our negativities, which is another negativity. Um, another important element to foster a positive attitude, gratitude. Now, gratitude, just, just a, a very few words, again, is something which can be cultivated. We can use the same uh, approach that we use with meta practice. May I learn to be grateful? May I be grateful? Just remind ourselves of this possibility. Cultivate these possibilities. And then also looking for um, um, opportunities, for occasions where we get something, maybe very little, and we make space for the expression of our uh, gratitude, of our gratefulness. That opens us up very, very much. It, it is not important the the uh, the what we are we are grateful for. It is something which, uh, whatever it is, small, medium, or big, which opens us up. And this opening, more and more, goes far beyond the thing for which we were grateful. Another way of helping us cultivating uh, gratefulness is right now in this moment, what could I be grateful for? And to our surprise, sometimes we can find a number of things that we can be grateful for, but we take them for granted. And maybe we heard these things and we uh, um, completely agree with these things. And we like hearing and reading about uh, gratitude and uh, how much it opens our heart. But cultivating it is a step further. You know, we go beyond fascination with gratitude into being grateful. 
and, and, and opening up because, because of gratefulness. A couple of years ago, I was working with this um, um, Chinese Chan master, Shen Yen, and someone asked, how can we teach children non-attachment? And he said, teach them gratitude. So gratitude, opening of the heart, of the heart, positive, positive attitude, very positive attitude. Not missing as much as possible any opportunity to express gratefulness, to feel gratefulness. That's also very important because it's very motivating. Like the person is not there and we receive something through the mail and we feel gratefulness, let's listen to that feeling until it ends, like a sound. One last thing I do find very helpful, and this is the famous advice uh, of the Buddha to his son Rahula. Rahula, when you wish to do an action with the body, you should reflect upon that same bodily action thus. Would this action that I wish to do with the body lead to my own affliction or to the affliction of others or to the affliction of both? Is it an unwholesome bodily action with painful consequences with painful results? When you reflect, if you know this action that I wish to do with the body would lead to my own affliction or to the affliction of others or to the affliction of both, uh, uh, it is an, an, an unwholesome bodily action with painful consequences, then you definitely, you definitely should not do such an, such an action with the body. This is before doing the action. The same is said if you realize that the action is good or bad while you're doing it. And the same is said after. You know, if after doing an action you, you see that uh, is, is bad, then this is a, a address to monks. You, you, you make confession, you, you repent somehow, and you commit to, to um, refrain from that. Whereas if, if it is a, a good action, you can abide happy and glad, training day and night in wholesome states. The same is repeated for actions uh, with speech and action with mind. Now, how, how many actions of mind, speech, uh, and body are there in a day, innumerable? So is this practice a realistic practice, before, during, and after? Now, first of all, I think that, personally, that there is a special emphasis uh, due to teaching purposes. Then I think, from personal experience, that as a specific practice, 
It can be done in two ways. I mean it as a practice menu. Like we, we um, uh, make the intention of uh, doing this practice five times in a day. If we think of the number of actions, uh, physical, mental, and, and, and verbal that are in a day, five, five times is very little. But uh, we can learn quite a lot. And the second way of using it as a, as a specific practice is with regard to some action, some relevant action, or some, you know, with regard to an action of some, some note, then, then we decide uh, to practice this way. It's not very much different from some saint from Mount Athos, um, uh, was fond of saying, if an action cannot be preceded by a prayer, that action is not worth doing. Now, specific practice. But the, on the other hand, the general Dharma practice, the practice of mindfulness, metta, and the rest of it, gradually makes us more aware, either before or during or after. Spontaneously, it starts happening. This is a very beautiful gift which comes from the practice. So this means that we uh, become less reactive, that we start breaking our repetitive patterns, and that having a positive attitude becomes much more possible and enjoyable for everyone. That's it for two minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.